Welcome to Energy Matters, where we explore alternative health in the Pioneer Valley. I'm your host, Caroline Rutterman, and I'm a Reiki professional and intuitive in Northampton, Massachusetts. For the past nine years, I've been teaching people how to use their intuition and helping them reduce stress and anxiety. Together, we'll talk with other practitioners and learn how they bring health and healing to the Pioneer Valley. Let's do this. Hey, welcome, welcome, everyone. You are listening to Energy Matters, and I am your host, Caroline Rutterman, and we have a great show for you here today. Um, we are interviewing Amy Jean Aubin. Um, so, uh, welcome, Amy Jean. Hi, Caroline. Thank you so much for having me on the show today. Of course, of course. So, um, so Amy Jean um, is she, you are a mindful outdoor practitioner, and you are leading a practice into this area called forest bathing, um, which I've been I've been hearing about forest bathing off and on for the last maybe like three or four years, um, but not not to any uh, large degree. So I'm, I'm really excited to hear more about, um, tell us what, what is forest bathing? Yes, forest bathing is, um, it is starting to get out there in the world. It's starting to trend a little bit, which is very exciting. Um, forest bathing is kind of a multifaceted practice. And so the definition might differ for uh, each person. Um, practicing forest bathing, but um, uh, Yoshifumi Miyazaki, who is one of the world's uh, leading experts on therapeutic benefits of uh, spending time in nature, he defines forest bathing as uh, taking in, in all of our senses, the forest atmosphere. So that's kind of the scientific uh, definition. And a little background on forest bathing. Um, uh, Yoshifumi Miyazaki wrote the book uh, Shinrin Yuko, uh, the Japanese way of forest bathing for health and relaxation. Uh, Shinrin Yuko began in Japan in, in 1982, uh, and it literally means to spend time with trees. Oh, I love that. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, so the scientific studies and research done in Japan has um, proven over the years that there are so many benefits, both uh, physically and um, psychologically, um, for you know to do this to do this practice. Um, now, my definition um, differs a little bit. I, I like to say that forest bathing is the uh, art of immersing yourself in nature and opening the senses. Um, and I'd like to call it art because. Like many other um, um, artistic practices like music and dancing, it kind of lingers on your soul when, when you're finished with it. And um, um, I just, I like the way it feels to call it an art form. Hmm. So um, opening the senses is uh, the essential uh, part of forest bathing. And uh, when you're outside in nature and um, you're in this natural setting, your senses are more engaged when you're outside. Um, you might be smelling the late summer goldenrods and feeling the breeze on your skin and hearing the birds and, and the, the crickets or, 
or grasshoppers chirping and all of your senses are just alive and engaged. And so when we're outside in a natural landscape, we're just feeling more alive. We're feeling full of life. Um, and, you know, for, for people tuning in, you know, as, as I, Amy Jean and I are, are talking through Zoom and I can see her and as she's describing these different forest, uh, you know, kind of explorations, I can see in like how lit up you are just when you're kind of recalling the imagery of being outside. And it's true, like when, you, when you're saying like you really, all of your senses are awake, it's like you, you are lighting up even just spending the time in the memory of that. Yeah, yeah. I hope that it it translates through the radio. My my excitement for this practice. <laughs> yeah, so far so good. Um. So yeah, now forest bathing is is um it's it's stimulating your senses and and when it's doing that, it's really triggering health supporting responses. So um, Yoshifumi Miyazaki, again, his research um, is, is proving that forest bathing decreases stress hormones, decreases the sympathetic nervous system activity, which is our fight-flight system. Um, so it's, it's lowering that. It's lowering your blood pressure, your heart rate. Um, it's even strengthening your immune system. And it's also known to reduce depression, improve your mood, improve your sleep. I mean, the list can go on and on with the benefits of this practice. Um, and I have a quote from uh, Yoshifumi Miyazaki that uh, is just very quick. He says, throughout our evolution, we've spent 99.9% .9 of our time in nature. Our physiology is still adapted to do that. Um, during everyday life, a feeling of comfort can be achieved if our rhythms are synchronized with those of the environment. So it's important to understand that humans are wired to be in natural environments. Um, the evolutionary process of humankind is not fully adapted to our modern lifestyle and um, our health and well-being is really being affected by that. Yeah, absolutely. And it takes more than one generation for a, uh, a human adaptation to go from nature to technology, you know, so we're not going to be fully adapted to screen time for, I don't know, however long that. Yes, I mean, evolution takes, um, um, you know, hundreds and thousands and millions of years. Yeah. <laughs> so we, and I mean, 99.9% .9 of our human uh, development has has been outdoors where we haven't even scratched the surface of how to live in the modern world that we're living in so amy jean tell us a little bit about what what drew you to forest bathing yeah so what drew me to forest bathing i i it's it's a very personal story but i would really like to share it um i was um I, I work in a very stressful environment. My profession is, um, um, I own a restaurant. So anybody in the restaurant business will know what that feels like. It's, um, um, and I was just at that um, kind of burnout place, just really stressed. And I began to develop autoimmune disease and, um, 
yeah, I, I, I got to a place where I just couldn't physically uh, work any longer like I had been working. So I had a lot of free time on my hands and I, I began to go out into nature, but in a different way than I had been. I really started going out into nature in a slow, um, cautious way because of my illness. I was, you know, very weak and, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I just, I started forest bathing. It it just came naturally. It came, it was almost like something that I had known how to do without any guidance. Um, and I just remember one time in particular that I was so, so sick and so weak and, this particular um, autoimmune that I have is um, not anything that doctors can really do anything about. So I was really on my own with it. And I just kind of dragged my little bony body down to the river <laughs> and um, just laid in the water and, and, and just surrendered to the, the river. And, um, you know, this feeling of, of deep connection really came over me that day. And, and I, you know, I considered it for a while and, and, and pondered it and, and, you know, thought, what, what, what is this? What was that? And I just started feeling better. Like, I remember that walk home from the river, I just felt better. I was like, what, what is this medicine? <laughs> <laughs> this outside medicine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So had you heard about the practice of forest bathing before that, before that kind of moment that you had of, of connection being inside the river? Uh, no, I had never heard of it. I had never heard of it. And, you know, I knew that there were forest um, outdoor therapies that, were being used for different things. You know, I've, I had heard over the years for, you know, for addiction and, and whatnot. I, um, but it never struck me as, as something that could be so kind of mainstream. And, um, yeah, I, I, just, I just continued to do these things without realizing that other people did them. So, I, you know, I would, go, I would go off into the forest and collect pine cones and acorns and then arrange them in, in patterns and, you know, spirals. And it was just so soothing. There's something really, I was, I was soothing myself and healing myself by doing these things. Um, and so after a few months of this and, um, you know, talking to my therapist to make sure I wasn't crazy, <laughs> <laughs> um, and he assured me that it was all good. So I, you know, I started really looking into it and doing some research and, and, you know, pleasantly surprised that I wasn't alone and other people do this. And, um, there's actually, you know, schools and, and leaders and, uh, yeah, so that's that's uh, a little bit about how I got into it. Yeah, you know what I think is really wild though um, is that you know the th- the thing that came most natural to you and made you feel better and f- so connected of literally bringing yourself out into the sunshine and like getting into the river to feel good. The fact that like our mind is like 
is this crazy that I am going outside and like making art and feeling better? Like, do you know what I mean? Like it's, it's so funny that our minds have shifted us so far away from these things that we just naturally feel called to do that all of a sudden that's, that's the oddity. Yes. Yes. It's a, it's a, you know, it's a knowing that is somewhere there that we've almost forgotten about in, in some way. Um, yeah, it's very interesting. So how did, I know that you also have, um, that you're Kripalu certified with a mindful outdoor guide and you're also an apprentice with a mindful tracking school. How did, how did those parts of your journey fold in along the way? Yeah, Kripalu was a great experience for me. Um, it really, uh, allowed me to, um, to, to be a part of a community, uh, which was, you know, I, which was something I didn't even know that I had needed at that time. I kind of had withdrawn a little bit into nature, um, just in this really kind of blissful moment of connection with, with nature. I, I, I forgot about my human people <laughs> and, um, yeah, so going to Kripalu really kind of set that in motion and um, helped me realize the importance of um, community and sharing and, um, um, yeah, the, lead, the, the teachers there were wonderful and uh, I've met so many students and there's so many, so many of my colleagues are doing amazing things all across the country. Um, and um, as far as tracking is concerned, I, I'm a student in the wilderness tracking and currently in the middle of a one-year apprenticeship program with George Leonak, who is um, the mindful tracker. He's out of Marlboro, Vermont. And um, once you begin a kind of a regular forest bathing practice, you, you might start to realize that tracking um, really comes naturally. It's it's just when you're out there and your senses are open, you start to see things that you wouldn't normally see. Um, paw prints or rub marks on a tree or little nipped twigs. And you just start to really notice. And, and tracking, and correct me if I'm wrong about this, but tracking is sort of seeing the movement of, of animals in nature. Yeah, yeah, seeing the movement of animals. But, I mean, you could even go deeper and say that you're tracking... Um, weather patterns, you're tracking um, vegetation um, patterns, and and, um, and and even you're even tracking yourself. There's there's an aspect to tracking called inner tracking that once you start to get into it, um, you really start to develop a, a tracking relationship inside of yourself. Um, uh, I found that. When I, when I was beginning to track, I was, I was becoming very um, introspective and um, started to notice the patterns within myself, good patterns, bad patterns. Um, um, and, you know, it can be a little abrasive at first, but um, the end result can be, uh, can be amazing. And, and, and um, I ended up with a better alignment of myself and, and what my life purpose is and all of these just amazing outcomes to this inner tracking 
um, it, and, and it begins with the empathy that you gain from following wildlife and discovering the stories that are unfolding as you're <clears throat> following an animal and, and maybe you, you know, end up at a kill site and you, you, you've spent hours and hours following this animal to, 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 this was the end result. And, um, you just gain this empathy of, of the struggle of, of the animal in nature. Um, when you embody animals in this way, you kind of leave your ego aside. And, um, you know, when, when, when you, when that happens, you have this little moment of maybe your like truer self coming forward. So there's, there's really tracking. You could probably do an entire radio show just on the healing properties of tracking. Sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, um, and if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Energy Matters on Valley Free Radio, 103.3 FM. Um, and um, what was I going to say? So, so the, the forest bathing work that, um, that Amy Jean Aubin does, um, when, you, when you bring people out into, into nature, when you lead these outdoor groups, can you tell us a little bit about what, what happens when you bring people out um, just if, if, if there was a little bird sitting on a branch, what, what would they be? What would they see? Yes. So, um, when I'm leading groups, it's, it's, um, it's about a two hour experience. And, um, we start off with a little orientation to the land. Um, a, a good guide will know which directions, um, are which, north, south, east, west. Um, a good guide will know which direction the clouds are moving in. Um, and so a little bit of orientation to that, getting people to be a little aware of their place. We do some warm-up exercises, which you know can be a little intimidating sometimes for people who just think they're going out for a walk. But you know, I have a yoga background. I have um, a, a little bit of background in the continuum movement. So I tried to bring those into just a quick warm-up exercise to bring us into ourselves and grounding, um, breathing exercise, uh, just um, a centering breath, um, really feeling the in-breath, uh, pausing, and uh, uh, lengthening the out breath and, and pausing at the end of that. So really starting to just plant the seeds of slowing down and, and being inside of ourselves. And, um, you know, after, after people uh, start to feel a little more aware of, of, of the sky, of the colors, we start to do. Um, we start to go on a walk, and it's it's really that simple. Um, we go on a walk, and 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 before we do, I I I ask the participants to just be aware and be here and now and present. And um, I'll create a little threshold at the head of the trail so that when we step over it, we're um, setting the intention to leave our. Um, planning and our troubles and our, you know, anything that's happening at the moment, just to kind of leave it behind and be present and aware 
Now we'll walk like this very slowly in silence um, and just noticing what's around. I'll, I'll maybe at some point um, invite uh, folks to take off their shoes and really can feel the ground, walk on the earth, um, exchanging energy with the earth, uh, gentle, uh, gentle footprints. And uh, we'll walk down to, there's, there's a section that I, that I go to um, by the pond and the trail is very gentle and it's just really nice to, to feel the earth and, um, you know, I might invite people to touch the trees and feel the bark, uh, smell, smelling the moss or the dirt, um, putting your hands in the stream on the way by. Uh, I like to sing to the um, water, so I might stop and, and have a little um, song or a little um, chant and water is is um, verbal as well and so you kind of sit and you um, listen and it's very reciprocal it's 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 really a nice feeling to kind of exchange that vibration with with the natural world yeah and you know some listening to birds that's and birds are almost they almost demand your attention like like I'm here now and I'm singing. <laughs> you, you must pay attention to me. <laughs> <laughs> they are wonderful little helpers in the mindful um, outdoor world. Um, yeah, so that's, you know, that's, that's the beginning of the walk. When we get to our, um, our location, I, I sit, I, I, we do a, 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 dis a discussion of sorts. I do this in a council format, which is a really nice way to kind of circle up and share our feelings of how how you're affected by the walk, what you noticed about the walk, um, you know, what anything that might have come up. And when you talk in a council-like format, it really gives people a safe space. And what is the what does the council format look like? Is that like one person that has uh, like one person at a time, like go around yeah. the circle or like what, what is the council format? Yeah. Um, to, to, to speak in a council, um, you, you really have to speak from the heart and not only that, but when somebody else is speaking, you have to listen from your heart. It's just as important. Um, and, 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 you know, not, not to interrupt people and no judgment and just to go around. Each person has a chance to, to speak. And I, I, just, I just love to hold that space for people. And, um, and, and if, if they want to pass and not say anything, that's perfectly fine as well. Um, but it, I find most people have something to say about the experience of just walking silently and um yeah it's 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 just a wonderful practice to um for communication i think that if if people used these this way of counsel more often a lot more would get accomplished in this world <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so and you've mentioned a little bit about these sort of designated um 
silent times when you're going out into the woods upon entry and then sort of designated talking times. Um, how, how does the role of silence and designated talking and, and that kind of fit into the whole rhythm of, of, the, um, of the forest bathing exercises? Yeah, and, and each leader will be, will be different in this, but I like, to, I like to be kind of wavy with the silence and then, um, you know, break it up with a little counsel and a little interaction. And um, then we'll, we'll, spend, we'll spend a good 15 minutes, 20 minutes sometimes of the walk just sitting in silence. After the counsel, I'll, I'll ask people to... Um, to kind of scatter around the area that we're in and find a, find a location that's calling to them. And yeah, this, this, this in nature therapy is called sit spot and it's a form of nature meditation where uh, you would go to, preferably you would go to the same spot uh, over and over um, day after day and notice changes and really get intimate with your um, with your sit spot. Uh, it's it's um, a really important part of forest bathing to just sit and listen and and um, at this time it's really important to open uh, your peripheral awareness. So this is an eyes opened meditation for the most part. Um, and, and really, really open-minded, open-vision uh, feeling um, so that when something is fluttering in the tree almost above your head, you're still seeing that. You know, it's almost like this feeling of having eyes on the side of your head, you know, like a deer or a rabbit would. Um, it's very calming. It's a very... Uh, calming state of mind to open your peripheral awareness like that. So before I send folks out on their sit spot, I, I try and get them to feel what that might be like and to practice that a little bit. Um, the, the balance that comes from that and the equanimity that comes from that opening your peripheral awareness is, is um, astounding, really, <laughs> when, when you practice it over time. Can you talk a little bit about um, how you start to assist people opening that awareness? Well, I can tell you how I, I learned it in my meditation practice. Um, uh, in my beginner's meditation practice with my teacher, um, Kim, uh, Kim Weber at the Insight uh, Pioneer Valley in East Hampton, so they speak a lot about this kind of peripheral awareness, um, feeling, opening that feeling in meditation, and then, um, and then um, bringing your attention into maybe the breath or, or um, another kind of attention spot. So I, I was introduced to this idea uh, in, in a kind of more formal meditation practice. But then as I started studying uh, nature therapy and, and um, forest bathing, I'm realizing that there are practices that are being done as well. And, and again, they're talking about the same, the same uh, things, the peripheral awareness, the, the attention to breath. 
And so I'm kind of emulating my teachers and, and um, how I'm bringing people to this is just there, there's a way in nature therapy where you kind of just stretch your arms all the way out to the sides and you wiggle your fingers and you're, you're starting to see just on the edges of your vision um, the, the wiggle of your fingers and you stretch it a little further back, a little further back and you kind of get this feeling that um, overcomes you of this really open-minded feeling um, that you're seeing the, the bigger picture. Um, and so that's one way that you can actually physically um, uh, allow your vision to stretch out to uh, the peripheral edges. Um, yeah. That's yeah. cool. That's very cool. Um, and so, and it, as you kind of started to expand, expand your, your vision to the, the periphery and kind of beyond the wiggling fingertips, does that start to extend or how does that start to extend above your head, uh, kind of behind you? How does it, how does it start? Um, yeah. how do you, how do the rest of your senses start kicking in at that point? Yeah, you can move your art, you can move your, your fingers, um, uh, up above you down below, and in, in nature therapy, too, they call this um, using your owl eyes. They, they like to um, uh, make uh, analogies with animals in this way. So that's, that's you know, that's a, it's a fun way to think about just expanding your vision and, and, and using your, your sights like an owl would and really opening your senses. And when I talk about this kind of attention, I like to call that eagle eyes and, and just kind of get that feeling of soaring above and really honing in on one thing and, and, and focusing your attention on it. Now, in our world, attention is something we do all the time without, um, without much difficulties. And in fact, we are over attentive to things when we're on our computers all day and reading and writing and planning and all the things we do. Um, so we don't need to practice so much that attention, um, but maybe soften it, practice softening your attention. But that peripheral awareness is what is that our calming, um, um, I, the idea of opening your, your peripheral awareness is, is that is what we need to be practicing more of. And what do you, why is it like, why do you feel it's so important to like expand our awareness in these kind of side to side directions? There's actually, and I, I'm not an expert on this, but it is, um, it's changing your brain waves when you do this. Oh, interesting. Uh, and um, I can't speak exactly alpha, I, I'm not exactly sure, but you are, um, you're changing your brain waves and you're coming into a calmer state. And so um, when you start to practice this, you actually start to get the subtle feelings and the, and the changes and you start to really, you feel it. You feel when your peripheral awareness is open. And when you move out into your day-to-day -day lifestyle, if you are practicing opening your peripheral awareness, you will feel that and you will start to see the differences and the changes when you're maybe in um, a conversation with somebody that gets a little heated and you stop and you 
pause and you look at the bigger picture of what's happening instead of just reacting. Um, these, these are all things that um, I've noticed by, by practicing that. And, and yeah, it's, it's actually amazing when you start to bring it out into your everyday lifestyle. Yeah. I mean, I feel like there is so much like you were kind of, you know, talking about is like, we have so much focused attention all day long. And that's right in the center of our vision. And so by diffusing that by coming further out, can be really, uh, yeah, really good for the mind, really good for the eye, the physical eye, but also, yeah, like you said, like the, the metaphorical vision of like yeah. zooming out a little bit. Yeah, and in and in meditation, you'll 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 see that um, when you when you soften the attention and, and keep it focused on your breath while widening that peripheral awareness, uh, a feeling of equanimity can come over you. This is where insightful things happen is when you really get a balance of these two. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's quite the experience. So can, can you give us maybe, um, one additional thing that if, if we are, you know, kind of we're, we're entering the weekend. So if somebody has a little extra time, I know the weather's going to be pretty nice, uh, locally. So could you give someone an exercise that they could maybe, if they were curious about how to start forest bathing, um, if they were to go out into the woods, um, what could you, could you guide us through a little, a short practice, um, that people can, can try out on their own when they're outside? Yes. Um, so personal forest bathing is, is a wonderful practice. You, anybody can do this and, um, and should. And going out with a leader, there are definite advantages to going out in a group, but um, um, not everybody has time or the ability to do that. So going out on your own is really important. It's really important to find a place that you can return to regularly and become intimate with one place. Um, the the uh, one thing that is really essential to forest bathing is feeling at ease in your environment. And in order to do that, you really have to feel at home. And that takes a repetitiveness. Um, take your shoes off, bring a blanket, um, bring some tea. Like you just want to ease into your natural environment. Um, feeling at home is so important. Um, other things that you can do are, you know, it's it's not a bad idea to bring a field guide if you're interested in trees. Uh, I I really love to learn the names of trees. You don't have to overemphasize it, but it's it's a way to get to know your place. Um, or if birds are are more attractive to you, you know, download an app onto your phone so that when you see something, you can quickly look it up and say, "That's the common yellow throat warbler." Right. You know, and <laughs> <laughs> it's it's just makes you feel more comfortable when you know. Who's with you? Right, right. Yeah. Who's your neighbors? Yeah. Which trees are your neighbors? Which which birds are your neighbors? Now, you you kind of started to touch on this a moment ago. Um, the advantages of going out with a group. Um, how how is it different going out by yourself versus in in a group that that you might lead um, of, of forest bathers going out all together? Well, in a group, I find that 
people have a hard time relaxing in nature because of, of you know, fear. There's, there's a certain amount of danger involved in wild animals and, and, and poison so much, ivy. And so and, much folklore too, right? Isn't that like half of European folklore is like children getting lost in a dark forest? <laughs> yeah. Know? Kind of embedded in in our in our culture, like <laughs> yeah. kind of this fearful. Um, where you know, I, I tell people from the city, I'm I'm much you know, <laughs> I'm much more scared to go into the city than I am to go into the into the forest. <laughs> <laughs> different kind of danger. Yeah, different kind of danger. Um, but yeah, going out with a group. If you're going out with a with a, a good leader, will really have um, an intimacy with the land that they're walking on. Um, I, I know which, what wildlife is, is in the area that I walk. I know where the beavers live. I know, um, I know where not to disturb the ducks. I, you know, there's, there's different, um, you know, aspects of that. And, you know, and to be able to walk, in harmony with the natural world, you, you really have to be intimate with it. So I've taken the time to do that so that um, my participants can really just come in and ease into a place. Um, I know all my trails. I know which directions I'm moving in. I know where to look if there's a storm rolling in. So I'm taking all of that pressure off of the kind of fear and the danger of of being out in, in the forest. And, you know, I know, I know that there's bear and moose, uh, close by to where I walk and I'm really careful to look for sign and make sure that they're, they haven't been around the area that we're moving in. Um, you know, just be really respectful of, of wildlife and, and, and not disruptive in any way. So, you know, I've taken the time to do that. Now, now forest bathing alone is, is amazing. You can forest bathe in your yard. You can take your shoes off and like just get in the grass. Um, you might have a favorite tree in your yard. Um, you might not have a tree at all or a bush. You might just have like a little grassy patch that you can sit on. And that's, that's all good. Like these are all ways to connect to, um, the natural world. Um, sitting silently with other living things um, that aren't human is, is the key to what we're doing. Um, and connecting to something bigger than ourselves. So if you don't have a, a full forest to access, you could sit with a, a single tree or a grassy patch. It doesn't, the, the term forest bathing is ideal, but not, not the necessary most exactly. Exactly. I don't know where I read this, but a woman spoke about a, a perfectly wonderful forest bathing experiment uh, experience that she had in like the parking lot of of a stop and shop or something with just like herself in a little bush. Oh, nice. It can happen anywhere, really. Yeah, it sounds like it's about a lot of it's about the deliberate connection. And and I think that that's sort of the difference between, you know, because I, I love hiking, and I love being outside. Um, and I also have lots of plants, large plants in my Holyoke apartment, but there is nothing like going 
and immersing myself into the woods at Mount Tom, like I will always feel so much better when I'm around a much, much larger network of trees and mountainside. And it's, it just, it really does make a huge difference. Cause I, I feel like I'm, I'm pretty connected usually, but it really, it's overpowering. There, there's always a point where I can feel my brain shifting when I'm on a hike out in nature and I'm being deliberate and watching birds and kind of doing um, maybe not the exact tradition of forest bathing, but, you know, kind of really immersing myself in that outside time. Like I can, there's always a point that I can feel my brain shift and be like, Oh, okay, there it is. Yes, absolutely. And, and um, being on top of Mount Tom right now is just beautiful. There's um, it's kind of hawk watching season right now. So it's a great time to go up on Mount Tom and, take a look at all of the migrating hawks going by. It's uh, right. they, they kind of swarm in these kettles of warm air at this time of year. It's really beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so Amy Jean, tell us a little bit about, you know, you started kind of touching a little bit on, on people having a lot of fear of the woods and the forest. And as somebody who's uh, an outdoor guide, bringing people into that space, um, you know, I think one of the, the big fears that, is very common among New Englanders is the, is the Lyme disease and the ticks. Um, how, how do you, how do you support people, um, dealing with their fears, you know, kind of being aware, like bringing that awareness, but also like, I guess, you know, like how, how do you, how do you help people in that, with that fear, fear space? Yeah. I mean, I, it really is a matter of knowing, um, knowing your location, uh, knowing the, what season that ticks are more abundant, and um, being prepared. I, I always um, remind uh, folks to, to bring their bug spray. Uh, it's right on the top of the list with the, with the, with the don't forget your bottle of water, you know. Right. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful that where I am up in the hill towns, we don't have a lot of um, ticks there because of the elevation. It's it's a little different there, um, but I do notice that when we're on the uh, swampy area or on the kind of the watery edges uh, of a trail, they can be more abundant there. So, um, yeah, it's it's good to just it's it's essential to know your area again if you if you know where you're walking and you know you've walked in that you know in that swampy area where there might be ticks it, it it's you're far less likely to uh come home with a tick because you have already checked yourself you'll you'll already know and you know i i i go out i spray this kind of homemade eucalyptus essential oil on my feet and it works really well. And I tuck my socks into my pants if I know I'm going somewhere. And, you know, there's just the, these precautions that you take and there's, you know, there's dangers to life in all areas, you know, so you, you just have to do what makes you happy. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Absolutely. You can't let that fear stop you. Yeah. You can't let it stop you. You know, it's, it's, um, and, and again, going out with a good guide is so helpful in that way. I can, you know, if, 
if I've noticed the week before, if me and my dog are walking in that spot and I've noticed that there's more ticks than usual, then I will be on alert of that, you know? So walking with a guide is, is good in that way. So Amy, do and you, oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, um, do you, do you have any events coming up? Um, are you, are you continually offering uh, regular, regular walks into the, into the woods for forest bathing? Yes, I have. Um, I have some autumn events that are happening um, probably at the end of September and then two in October. I don't have exact dates for October, but um, um, my September walk will be the last Wednesday of September and it'll be between 10 and noon and that's September 30th, Wednesday, September 30th, um, 10 to noon. And I walk up in um, Chesterfield, Massachusetts, and uh, it's just an absolutely beautiful location, stunning location. Um, I have permission to walk there from the owners, so it's not a place that that most folks can just walk up to. Um, so it's kind of a little private um, oasis of, of nature. Uh, so yeah, I have that coming up in September, and. Um, uh, you know, I have I have plans for next year. The COVID really slowed down my process this year. Amy Jean, um, everybody has plans for next year. <laughs> we all have plans that we're all like, ooh, maybe, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Big plans. <laughs> yeah. um, and how how can people find you if they're if they're curious um, to to link up with uh, the existing groups or to hear uh, about what the upcoming things that are happening? Um, how can how can people find you? Yeah, my website is is still um, being worked on. So um, right now, the best way to reach me is through my email, which is nature medicine three 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 at gmail.com and um, you could just you say that you heard me on the radio and I, I'll send you out a flyer with with all of our upcoming walks um, it's, it's you know it's it's pretty casual right now and anybody can join any any ability if you have um, health difficulties I will work with you um, our, our our walks are not strenuous it is not a hike by any means, um, you know, hiking through the forest is, is you, you just don't notice things that, that you would notice, you know, it's, it's wonderful exercise, but, um, it, to slow down is, is really the essential thing. So any, any and all people can do what we're doing. Um, if, if you have any, um, disabilities in any way. Don't be discouraged to um, give this a try and, and come out with us. And um, one one quote that I, I saw that um, I wanted to ask you about was um, you had said something about um, caring for nature mirrors caring for ourself. Can you elaborate on on what that means to you? How does how does caring for nature mirror caring for ourselves? Well, this is a this is a big one, actually, um, because at one time in our human our our human history, nature was our sole provider, and we had this um, reciprocity with nature that um, was like breathing. 
<laughs> and we've become so far removed from that. Um, you know, our, our modern human times, we've just become so withdrawn. Um, people don't see the dirt on their vegetables and we cover our houses with plastic siding and all these things. We're almost like masking nature. We don't, we don't see the importance of it anymore. Um, so, so, but we're still relying on it. We're just, it's just not there in front of our faces. So we're not seeing it. Um, so my, my hope is that by bringing people out in nature, they're, they're, they'll be reintroduced to um, that, that element, uh, touching the natural world uh, and understanding the connection that we have. Um, and because we're so out of touch, we're, we're making irreversible um, changes to our, to our earth. And we're, we're to bluntly, we're destroying it. We're destroying our natural world because we don't see it. It's like, it's just behind something else. Um, uh, so, you know, in forest bathing, we're relearning that primal understanding that humans and nature are so deeply connected. Um, they are a mirror of each other. And, and uh, I, you know, my hope is that when people get a sense of that oneness, um, they'll want to care for it more deeply. And, and you know, caring for nature is, is quite simply caring for yourself because we're all one. I love that. I love that. Well, Amy Jean, we're coming to the top of the hour. Um, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Energy Matters. Um, we've been uh, chatting with Amy Jean Aubin. Um, so, Amy Jean, do you have any last words of wisdom you would like to throw out into the universe? Oh, what can I say? Um, well, because this interview just happens to be falling on uh, September 11th, 9-11, um, I just felt it necessary to, um, you know, address the situation with um, first responders and, you know, what a stressful lifestyle, uh, profession, professional lifestyle that is to be a first responder. And um, I have a colleague down in Connecticut who's specifically working with first responders. His name is Sean Weir. And um, his, his organization is called the mindfulresponder.org. And he's doing amazing work. And, and so on this day of 9-11, um, you know, instead of just posting something on Facebook and saying that you, you know, recognize it, you know, if you know somebody who, who might need help and, and, and there are people who are doing important work, good work that, that is, you know, there are helpers out there. So, yeah, I would like to say that um, on 9-11, the, the remembering 9-11 in, in, a, in a way that we can um, do something, be active. Um, help people. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for, for coming on to Energy Matters today and, and sharing um, your work and your passions and, and teaching us a little bit more about forest bathing. Um, 
So uh, if, if you're just tuning in now and you want to hear the, the rest of this show or any other archived episodes, you can always go on to ReikiNorthampton.com backslash radio dash archives. And um, this show will be up in about a week. Um, and so and all the other shows are, of course, um, are posted. So uh, definitely go check that out. If you're a podcast listener, you can always find the Energy Matters podcast as well um, and tune in that way. But again, thank you so much. Amy Jean uh, for coming on the show. Have a great weekend, everyone, and be well.